You're listening to a Count Out Podcast. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. And welcome to another edition of the Stardom Road podcast here on the Count Out Network. I am your host, Scott Edwards, and with me is always Trent. Trent, how you doing? There was a little pause there. It was like you had to remember. I know you have so many podcasts now, and you've got a lot of people that you do podcasts with, but there was a bit of a pause there. You had to remember my name. I don't know. No, 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 no. I was going to, no, no, no. I was going to give you a nickname or something. And then I was like, I was going to call you Trent. <laughs> I can't be bothered coming up with a name for you. If I had it prepared, it would have been different, right? It we would don't have, prepare. Uh, yeah, like I, you know, never mind. We're not, <laughs> we're not going to do this. What we are going to do though is that this is a very exciting episode because this is, mm. a, of course, a first in many ways of of uh, the episodes that I think will really drive our show moving forward you know we're sitting here at episode nine so we've gone through eight episodes doing a little bit of here there and everywhere closing out the year and stardom last year by connecting events right like the big year-end events and of course we started this year off with the anniversary events but this time we're doing wrestling specific episodes this is part of a three-part series and this of course is part one and it's about the shining star Arisa Hoshiki. Who could have ever guessed we'd be covering Arisa Hoshiki first? Like, I think if people listening know us, if they had a short list of wrestlers we were probably going to start this kind of thing with, I think if Arisa wasn't the odds-on favorite, she'd have to be, at the very least, a, a silver or bronze medal contender. Here, here's the perfect, like, way to, I think, think of it, right? It's like, okay, so there's three wrestlers that they're going to start with. They're gonna start with Mayu. They're gonna start with Mayu because they both agree. Yes. They're gonna start with Jungle because Trent said so. Or they're gonna start with Arisa because Scott whined about it enough to make it happen. Like see, that was is, Yeah, you're absolutely right. The thing is though, like my <laughs> fandom of Arisa is far higher than your fandom of Jungle. Oh, that's Chan. So Arisa was always going to have a better chance in that respect. But my like, yes, we could have covered Mayu, but the reality is like there's going to be like Double digit episodes dedicated to her. Yeah. And uh, you know, her career is still going. There's still a lot to yeah. go on with. Unfortunately, Arisa's career presumably is done and dusted now, as much as we can dream. Never say never. One day. Yeah, never say never. You know, Arisa could surprise us because she certainly surprised everyone when she came back the first time. Um, but even though it was a short time, the fact that we can cover three episodes worth for her and not be stretching kind of speaks to the impact that she's had. And that's why she's going to be the first uh, cab off the block, so to speak. Yeah. I mean, Arisa, 
I, I've said this, I think I said this on the last episode. The reason I wanted to do this podcast was literally for these next three episodes. <laughs> that is the entire after that. That is the entire reason I wanted to go with the start of history. It's because I wanted to talk about Arisa Hishiki and find a reason to watch her matches all over again. And that's overall the idea though is i want to find a reason to go back and watch all these great matches mm. of so many of my favorites of your favorites you know jungle will get her own episodes honestly because her stardom time is seemingly done uh we'll wait mm. and see you know we you never yeah. know you never know um but that's the fun of it all right is that we get to one do whatever the hell we want but two really highlight the best of the best from startups history. Mm. I think starting with someone that was there at the very beginning on the first show retired for a very long time and then came back and was not only better than when she was, but one of the top, no pun intended, brightest stars of stardom when she did. I think she is the perfect first person to do if we weren't going to do like the obvious Mayus and Eos and Kyrie's. Yeah, she kind of ties everything together because a lot of the focus for these first episodes have been in the first year or two of the company because we wanted to lay the groundwork. And especially, like, there's a good chance people listening to this weren't following Stardom when it first happened. And even if you've been a fan for years now, you may not have gone back to the very beginning. You may not have looked into how they began. Neither of us were following Stardom when it first began. We both had to go back and sort of see how it all started. So we wanted this kind of to be a companion piece for people wanting to learn more about Stardom. And Arisa Hashiki ties that together. She was there for the first episodes we've talked about. And as we go further in, like... For both of us, she kind of ties in that entry point. You know, she yeah. was there a year or two after I started following. She came back in a year or two after she was there when you started following. So she connects it for both of us in a really good she way. Pretty much retired immediately when I started following. So yeah, tough, tough. We're though. not blaming you, Scott. It's okay. Well, it's sad. It's more sad when you realize she became one of. She's like. And we're going to, so I, let me, let me point out the whole point of this first episode. So this Mm. first episode, we're going to do a career overview, look at what she did and then start with the first run of the, in the company uh, at the very beginning. The second episode will be her return, her Cinderella run. And of course her wonder of stardom title run. And then episode three will be looking and reviewing her best matches and her ultimate impact on stardom as a whole. So And that will be kind of the way we look at a lot of these episodes. Now, not everyone, you know, came in, retired, and left. But everyone, not everyone was kind enough to give us a nice, easy stopping point like that. I know, but everyone does have those chapters. I think if mm. you stay in stardom long enough, you have chapters, whether it's through changing factions or going from a rookie to a, you know, star, like, you know, for example, we're not going to do her anytime soon because she's still very much active, but Utami, for example. Yeah. You have that first big rookie run. You have the rise, of course, in the world champion run. You have what she's doing now, and then you have whatever the hell she does in the next who knows many years, but that's my point. There are chapters to each. Arisa just happens to be one of the easiest. And Uh, funnily enough, there are a lot of wrestlers in Stardom now who we can go with. Well, we can do their first run and then their comeback run because... That became a bit of a trend, starting yeah, look, with Eraser in a lot of ways. I look forward to the Saki Kashima episodes, let me tell you, folks, um, oh, yeah. which will be a lot of fun. But like I said, we're talking about Eraser here, career overview, but also 
our fandom and why we appreciate what she did, um, mm-hmm. which that'll be all three episodes, but we'll kick it off here. Uh, so career overview, I think it's very simple. Uh, she's one of the great wonder stardom champions of all time. She, of course, has a Cinderella tournament win to her name. Uh, like we have been hinting, she <laughs> was there at the very beginning. She retired. She came back, and she's of course retired now. Mm-hmm. Um, but Trent, for you, when it comes to Risa Ishiki, someone that had 151 matches, that's it. Mm-hmm. How do you remember her and her legacy as a wrestler and in stardom? So it, it's really quite simple for her because I think you can define Risa quite simply in how she wrestled and how she acted. Outside of the ring, she was just hyper-energetic, bubbly, you know, face personality. Anytime she did a uh, promo, whether it was in the ring or sort of in the little pre-match promos they used to do, like she was just a bundle of energy, you know, just waiting to explode. And when the bell rang, she exploded through the form of beautiful violence. You know, her wrestling style, her striking style, there's a lot of strikers in wrestling and Joshi, but no one wrestled quite the way she did. She threw kicks in ways other people didn't. She used her legs in ways other people didn't. So that to me is the, you know, kind of the dichotomy, just such happiness outside of the ring and such aggression inside the ring. Yeah, yeah, that's I think that's a great way to sum up who she was as a wrestler. Um, for me, besides you know being one of my favorites of all time and what I think is one of the true best of all time, even with her limited matches, is that mm-hmm. she might be the most talented wrestler to be created by stardom. In in terms of she went through their training system, all she ever knew was stardom obviously i know she did the uh actoring thing but that was not that wasn't it um like for my whole point is you know she was trained by them she was the goal and we'll get to this um with rossi's words himself she was pretty much that golden prospect from Mm -hmm. the very start um she was the golden shining star when she came back like there was never a time she wasn't the star yeah and also, she was just so talented at everything she did. It wasn't just pro wrestling. She was unfairly talented in everything she stepped into, whether it was kickboxing, which we'll get to, or shoot boxing, um, singing. Everyone mm. knows. I think everyone by now, if you know who Arisa Shiki is, you know of her band, um, Unlimited Dream Navigator. I actually have one of their sweatshirts, fun fact. Uh, nice. Yeah. Uh, but she was so talented at everything she did. And and I think part of the, with the Reese Shiki, you know, you think of that bubbly happiness outside of the ring and that beautiful violence inside of the ring. But unfortunately it is a sad story when you look at her pro wrestling career. Mm. Cause in the end she did have to, you know, she was forced to retire. And, you know, as of this recording, we don't have that connection to her. Like we once did even after her retirement, mm. um, which of course stinks. Hopefully, we do some time down the road. We will hope she resurfaces on social media. But of course, we hope she's doing well. But overall, I mean, she has some of my favorite matches of all time in stardom or otherwise, uh, which we will of course watch and review at, in uh, two episodes, which <laughs> I can't wait for. Uh, two matches stand out more so. Uh, if you want to talk about like five star matches, yeah, she has at least two of them, um, at least. But there's also uh, that this first run in the company, which I think is something that is going to be very underappreciated in her career because a lot of people know 
the shining star version of her mm-hmm. when she came back and was with Mayu and stars and was champion. But as we highlighted in the episode, when we did the birth of Nova, she was, she was talented from there. When we did the, um, yeah, when she wrestled Mayu in that first ever match was their first career match against each other. She was already hitting those crazy kicks mm, and yeah. they were devastating from the very start. Um, and that's why I say she might have been the most gifted talent because she, it was just so easy for her. Yeah. I mean, really the only competition you would say in who has, who was the most talented person starting with train would really be Mayu. And the big difference there is you look at the amount of time Arisa spent training yeah. versus the amount of time Mayu spent training. And like, it's a 10th of the time. Yeah. And the fact that Arisa can actually kind of challenge Mayu in a lot of ways for that honor speaks yeah. volumes to how good she was. Yeah. She was a very naturally gifted wrestler. And the fact that she could do everything, she reminds me of that kind of, it's more of a, you know, a movie trope, but that kind of high school jock who was just good at everything. Everyone loves them. Yeah. But then you realize they're actually a nice person as well. It's just one of those people who everything just naturally seems to come to them. And yeah. I do wonder, like, you know, looking at what happened to her towards the end of her run and having to retire, mental health was mentioned as well. We mostly focus on the physical side of things, but you do wonder how much of a burden she was carrying by kind of having so much open there and just trying to find what was her world. What was she meant to be doing? And, yeah, hopefully the life away from the spotlight is what she was meant to be doing after all this time. But the short amount that we got, both wrestling and music, you know, thankfully we still have to go back to. Yeah, it's it's insane. Like, we're so we're going to get into the beginning of her career here in a second. Mm. But just to think about how long she was out of the ring, too. Mm. Um and how she was able to come back and not only step in, but step into a major role for stardom. You know, she instantly was one of the top stars in the company. And, you know, everyone talks about, well, what if, you know, at the beginning of 2020, she was one of those pillars mm-hmm. uh, that were to carry stardom into the future and beyond. And we'll get to that, of course. Um, but I, have, I, I, I do just cherish the time that we got to see of her because like i said 151 matches she left that much of a mark on not only us but everyone that ever got to see her work it's i mean sometimes it feels like oh there's just a small dedicated fans but it feels like anyone who was following starting through that time look back fondly on her and you know can't help but wonder what if because she was such an immense talent but even if you don't look at the what could have been just the time we got so many people just remember her being someone that they look forward to seeing you know she was a shining bright star when it came to stardom through 2018 2019 to the very start of 2020 she adapted back to the system so quickly which is the crazy thing she started off a little bit part-time uh but it didn't look like she'd spent what six years out of the ring yeah yeah she was out so her last match i just had in front of me um so her final match um in her first run came in may 2012 and she were she didn't return to pro wrestling until november 2018 so six years out of the six years plus out of the ring um you know not to 
not clearly no one was necessarily tracking where she was and what she was doing if she was going to come back because you know you're gone for that long you don't usually come back but she was so young when she started yeah that when she came back she was still very young still very ready to go very talented and there's a reason and you can understand this that rossi went right to her when she walked back in the door. <laughs> yeah I, I i do have to wonder like she, she came back in march for like one of the retirement ceremonies i think for fuka leaving or something and like f- from that moment i think there's a bit of a whisper of i wonder if she's still connected i wonder if rossi's in in her ear and then wasn't that long later it was just a few months after with the five-star grand prix that she came back out and congratulated Mayo and said oh by the way this wrestling thing looks like fun let's do this again Thank God she did. Um, <laughs> so let's get into it here. We'll start with the beginning of her career. Um, so she was, you know, she had background mixed martial arts that carried her through uh, her first half. Shoot boxing, kickboxing, as we know, with her moveset. You kind of figure that one out very quickly, that she was a very gifted uh, talent when it came to that. Mm. Um, she was trained, of course, by Fuka, which who was everyone at that time. Period um which again this is why i bring up the maybe the most talented because not only did she have the fuka training right that i think a lot of people didn't have when she came back around that second time or a lot of people did but the newer crop didn't right Mm. um which we never got to see her against the best of the newer crop like we saw her against utami but utami wasn't utami yeah um and she just she took to wrestling like a a, a fish to water it mm-hmm. was unbelievable like watching that first match back so of course she made her debut at birth of nova um the first stardom show like many wrestlers on that show did mm-hmm. um but this was actually the first match where two people made their debut in the same match of course it was against none other than mayu iwatani mm-hmm. funny that they were connected until the very end thank thankfully um and you know you and me watched that match back and it was seamless how now obviously it was rough around the edges because again their first career match a 15 and a 17 year old wrestling in their first ever match like what what would you expect if we're being honest <laughs> exactly but the level that you know she was her her accuracy on that kick she rocked Mayu with mm. one of the Brazilian kicks in this match. And I just remember because she missed the first time, picked her up, and then bam. And I was like, oh, my God. Like, <laughs> she, like that that was the beauty, I think, of who Arisa was, right? She wasn't the cleanest wrestler because she only, mm. again, had so many matches, but she made up for it every single time, yeah. even if she didn't miss or if she made it, seem like that was part of the plan in a lot of ways and you yeah. saw it in that very first match to me the like the first stint for arisa hashiki if i was to try and do a modern day comparison for fans who weren't following back then but are now i feel like i would point to rookie sayakamitani someone who was incredibly talented you could see that from the very start and was entrusted to do things that most rookies wouldn't you know, when Saya Kamatani debuted along with, say, Saya Ida, Ida's, like, didn't do anything more than a drop kick. And then Saya Kamatani was doing running, shooting star presses. Marisa <laughs> Hashiki, in her first match, she was throwing Brazilian kicks and sort of experimenting with what she could do. And it wasn't always the cleanest 
without, but at the same time, she didn't endanger people. Like with Sai Kamatani, when she was maybe making mistakes, it was never in the danger of someone else during those rookie years. It was more just, oh, kind of, she landed on their legs rather than their body. And the same with Arisa, like she didn't really endanger people when she made a mistake, but she was given the, uh, the room to experiment and try. And that's a sign of a lot of trust and also a lot of hope for what the future can be. And look, you look at someone like Sai Kamatani, now she's one of Stardom's best wrestlers, one of their main prospects going forward as a champion. And Arisa Hashiki was that up until she retired. Yeah, she was. And it's funny that, you know, they hold the same title. Mm. Uh, Sai, of course, uh, recently surpassed the number of days with that title. Yeah. Um, but to give an idea of, and I've watched these matches because, of course, I'm a you know diehard Arisa fan over here. But her <laughs> second ever match was against Nanai Takahashi, which at that time is, of course, a big deal. Nanai would go on to be the first World of Stardom champion. She was the main vet. Um, and while, of course, Arisa lost, that was actually the first Arisa match I ever saw. It wasn't one of the ones when she returned. I went all the way back in time. And she faced Nanai. And yes, Nanai absolutely brought it to her. But it was the confidence to stay in there, especially at her age, right? Because Nanai is not easy to go against at any point in her career. Because (laughs) what Nanai, and I want to give credit to Nanai, what she does Mm. is she doesn't give a damn who she's facing. And this is a good thing. She's always going to go in there and give it her best. And some people may see that as, you know, some people toss out like no selling or whatever. No, no, no. She's trying to, and this is this is going to be, people are going to laugh, but it is about bringing that passion out of her opponent. That's a legitimate thing she's trying to yeah. do in her matches. And I saw it with this one. You know, Arisa got one of those great kicks in and the crowd just roars mm. because it's like, oh my God, like, you know, this, this rookie who's in her second career match, is she going to like, Obviously, she didn't beat Nanai, but she got yeah. nine minutes and 21 seconds out of it. And and, and Nanai awesome. sold that kick. The yeah. thing with Nanai is she's not going to sell the weak stuff. No, so that when no. she does sell something, it's like, oh, that was a big shot. And in a way, like, that's good because if you, yeah, you, you're looking at, like, 15-year-old Arisa when she's showing, throwing the left-handed forearms, you're not expecting them to do much to Nanai. And you can tell they're just kind of bouncing off of Nanai's chest. Oh, yeah. But when she hits the Brazilian, Nanai goes down. The crowd erupts, as she said, and everyone buys it as being believable because Nanai is not selling something unless it's worth selling. And yeah. we see that now in 2023. The last couple of matches she's had in New Blood against you know, Lady C, Waka Sukiyama, it's the exact same thing she's doing back in uh, 2011. And at the end of the day, it's benefiting both Lady C and Waka Sukiyama. They go out, come out of those matches looking better than they did coming in. Despite what people will say about Nanai not lifting up people, she is. She's just winning, as she should be winning in those matches. Right. Exact same thing back in 2011 with Arita Hashiki. Yeah, that's it's the Nanai strategy, um, and, and she'll be an interesting one to break down her career. Once her, yeah. Now that she has another part to her <laughs> stardom career, that'll be a little far away too. But uh, it was this match, and then the one that she had, it was in... April that year she went against Yuzuke Kawa one-on-one and that's a really good match because they have a lot to me those are two you compare 
of yeah. just prodigy type wrestlers because mm. that's what Arisa Shiki is. She is a oh, yeah. prodigy of pro- professional wrestling, and so was Aikawa because Aikawa walked in and she was, you know, she had these devastating kicks, and we've talked about her on this. So getting to see them go head to head with Aikawa clearly above her already in terms of because Aikawa is going on to be the face of the company and yeah. pretty much already is at this time, but Arisa gets that shine with trading kicks and and trading offense it's only like Mm. eight minutes or so it's not a long match but it's one that shows okay i not only was able to stand with the future world champion with the nai because you know maybe i wasn't dominating or anything but i could do it also with the future wonder startup champion Mm. and i think those two matches really showcase what rossi was thinking when it came to arisa shiki and the future yeah, uh, and that's the thing, like, she was a prodigy, and, like, a lot of us nowadays, we look to the Zoomies and Starlight like Kids because we were able to follow their career being a kid up until yeah. now when they're in their 20, early 20s and what they're doing now. A lot of what you were seeing with the Zoomie and Starlight like Kid at 15, 16 was lower than what Arisa Hashiki was doing at 15, 16. Just, yeah, and they, especially Izumi, had been wrestling for a couple of years prior. Now, obviously, they were being set up in different circumstances. They weren't given the opportunities that Risa Hashiki was. But you look at, like, Izumi and Starlight like Kid right now in 2023, that's kind of what people were expecting Risa Hashiki to be doing in, say, 2014, 2015, if she'd been continually going. And that includes Rossi. Like, we're going to talk about some of the stuff he said about her around this time a little bit later. But the one constant in all of that is, wow, I'm so lucky to have her. She's a future star for stardom. I'm yeah, going to make so much money off of her. <laughs> that was such a constant. I, you know, I think talking about this, it also, you know, you bring up Azami Starlight Kid. I think a fun comparison to bring up for current fans who are trying to learn a little bit about the past. And while she's not signed to stardom, a good comparison because people, people like to sit here nowadays, right? And they say, wow, I can't believe these 18, 19, 20 year olds are this good they're some of the best Mm -hmm. in the world which obviously they are if arisa was able to stay with it right because of how young she was at this time if she was able to stay with it because she you know she was retiring as she was doing high school so just think about that for a second she would have been like the suzuki of back then Mm -hmm. because she had those natural prodigy like abilities that suzu has and we see out of suzu and we've seen out of suzu for years now not even just last year but years Mm. now and i think that's like one of the better comparisons too because yes they have different styles but they again walked into this and pro wrestling was theirs yeah and that's kind of one of the sad things with arisa is we didn't get to see the evolution you know she started off 15 16 she had that you know little leopard print pink top and then she left and then she came back and was kind of fully formed in the vision of what Arisa would have become. We didn't get the kind of awkward teenage years as you see her finding herself as a wrestler in look and in style. Um, quite like we get to do with like Azumi going through Queen's Quest and developing her current look and even Suzu Suzuki. So continuing on with that year, of course, um, Arisa, you know, she continued. She would get a lot of wins over the other rookies. She was mm. the one often winning. Uh, it was very rare that she actually lost to the rookies. I think the only one she was losing to at the time was like Yoko Bito. 
Yeah, who was positioned as like the number two rookie behind Aikawa. And really that was probably just as much because she was old enough to be yeah. there compared to Arisa. Yeah, but otherwise, you know, Arisa was either losing to vets mm. of the, like Tayo, Nanai, Aika, even Aikawa. Not a vet, but higher up on the card even. Oh, and Yoshiko. Uh, and Yoshiko. And mm. then and then she was being, you know, Saki Kashima, Mayu Yutani multiple times, Arisusa. Um, and I think that's kind of my the interesting game to play here. But there is an interesting match that happened in September 2011. It was a fatal four. We have to be careful saying that September 2011. Yes. I, okay. <laughs> Anyways, the match was a fatal four way. It was Risa Shiki, Nai Takashi, Natsuki Tayo, and Yoko Bito. Mm. And it went to a time limit draw. Yeah. You know, nowadays, if you saw a match like that, Right, it'd be like say Utami, uh, sure, Sa- Utami Shuri, um, and then like Rina and <laughs> <laughs> Rina and Azumi. Right, we'll say Yoko mm. at that time. It's like an Azumi level. Yeah, it'd be like that, and you'd be like, oh well, we know who's losing. But no, Arisa was able to not only survive but get to the end of a twenty-minute mm. draw, and I think that again just pushes the idea to many of how important she was. Um, yeah. And I, I, I only harp on that because I think people are so accustomed now to how rookies are. Tr- and, you know, it's very rare. You have a rookie that shoots up and wins a bunch of titles unless their names are Tommy or so it's, it comes to that prodigy level back then. It's just like, all right, Reese is by far the youngest person in this match. She's the obvious one that can get pinned and she still did it. Yeah, and it's not just a case of, oh, it's a rookie doing these amazing things, but it's a rookie at her age. Because, like, Utami, when she debuted, she was 22, which is old enough to kind of, you know, anyone in the company who was 22 is being entrusted with certain responsibilities and opportunities. But you look at anyone who's, like, Azumi, style, like Kid, Hanan, all these sort of youngsters, Ruaka, who are still kind of in school or just, you know, around that time, and they're not going to be pushed too heavily because they're school kids, ultimately. That's what Arisa was, but she was such a prospect, and especially at the time, stardom was very low on talent. They were building themselves up. If yeah. you were talented, you were good enough, you were going to get opportunities. And now I don't think they were going to push Arisa beyond this level too quickly. You know, I think right. they still recognise she's 15, 16 years old, but she was getting opportunities that most people wouldn't have got yeah. at 15 or 16. And we'll touch on that in a little bit. She gets a major opportunity mm-hmm. um, to close out the year. But before we continue on in her first year, I think it's time to bring up those some of those comments that Rossi Ogawa had regarding Arisa as she got went through training and then eventually you know made her debut and so on, which Trent of course has. Um, so Trent hit us with uh, that first comment from Rossi that I think can give people an idea of. All right this it's it's been this way from the start yeah let, let me just put on my trilby hat so i can get into the <laughs> mind of rossi ogawa um this first particular comment we're going to be touching on is before stardom started this is still probably i think it's four or five months before stardom actually kicks off um and she's talking uh he's talking about uh yuzuki ogawa and arisa hoshiki and this is where he starts talking uh, there are two girls who are also shootboxing shoot What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. 
two boxing trainees. One of them is Haruka. The other is the 14-year-old Hoshiki Arisa. Arisa. Arisa lets elegant kicks fly just like a whip with the speed of a wild goat. She's definitely talented. It's not that her kicks are merely an act for the sake of pro wrestling. At any rate, stardom has to be classically orientated. That said, I think combat pro wrestling, like their shoot style, isn't mainstream. One should add one's special discipline on top of a consistent, ever-present pro wrestling base. So he's already recognising right there that someone with Arisa's style is unique and is has a certain selling point within yeah. you know, pro wrestling. He just has to get her to the point where not only can she do the shoot boxing style, but she can do the pro wrestling style. The fact he's already picturing, like, okay, this is someone I can market, this is someone I can sell, look at what she's doing, shootboxing. And it wasn't long after these comments, Arisa went on to win uh, amateur shootboxing tournament in Tokyo, which, is, again, is crazy because she's 15 years old, she's doing this stuff, and she's already proving herself to... Basically, she gave up a shootboxing career to become a pro wrestler. You know, she could have kept going in this avenue. Yeah, it brings a smile to my face to just hear things like that because it's like... It's nice to see when someone with so much potential gets to prove it, mm. right? And seeing that it almost didn't happen, because she did retire, of course, it makes that second run all the more special that you look back at these comments that Ross is saying. It's like, yeah, she she had the, the whipping kicks that, mm. of course, would become synonymous with her career i think that's pretty much anyone that thinks of arisa shiki thinks of the brazilian kick that she has oh yeah because you know people can try to duplicate it no one comes close to having as good as one and even back then like we said in that mayu match um with the nanai match that was the one move that she's always had perfected it, just about anyone who's come through and become a fan of Arisa has probably been first introduced to her from a gif of that Brazilian <laughs> kick. And everyone's always like, wait, what? You know, I've gotten friends into stardom because of that kick. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's it's probably my favorite move of all time. Like, I could just watch it on a loop of just all the times <laughs> that she absolutely rocked someone with one of them. Mm. Um, but, again, it's it's nice to see that evolution just before she even got into this and uh so one of the quotes here which came like you said after she won the shoot boxing championship mm. so rossi said she really is a talent i'd like to develop long term and that was after she won the all japan light amateur shoot boxing championship yeah. so again just harping on the idea that not only does he know there's something there before the protest but this is someone that i could build this company around long term mm. and, and it makes you think and I, I like to I like to think like this. We're gonna do a lot of what ifs also with Arisa, obviously. Damn. She would have been not only Mayu, right? Like she would have been like the the ace, the face. Mm. She would have been one higher than Mayu was in quicker time. Um, but she also would have had, you know. She would have been rivaling Io Shirai during all those times that Io Shirai was pretty much running the company a lot of yeah. ways. Like, yeah, because you and me have talked about this. You know, with Mayu, it took time. We uh, we understand mm. that she was she didn't walk out there, and she wasn't the greatest of all time. It took time. It took her hard work. Yeah, you know, 
she didn't go through the protest and just be like, yeah, that's right. That, that was nothing. That's not how it <laughs> happened for Mayu. Mm. And I think that's why Mayu, we, and we appreciate Mayu so much, is because of the work she put in to become the greatest. But it does make you think, what if Arisa had been there at the time too? And what had what if Arisa was there when Io Shirai was there? What would that have looked like? And it would have mm. looked like, and this might be crazy, but I think Stardom's rise to internationally probably would have been heightened even more and quicker. Mm. Um, you know, Bushi Road was always going to explode it, obviously, to a level that they were never going to do by themselves. But the idea that you had someone like a Threedom and an Arisha Shiki running your company at any time, that's an exciting thing to think about that, unfortunately, we'll never know. Yeah, I mean, you look at, like, when Io Shirai first won the uh, World of Stardom Championship, Arisa was probably would have been one of the challenges during that period, which was around 2013. And then, again, like, you look at 2015 when the company kind of had to reset in the aftermath of uh, Aki Asakawa and Yoshiko. They relied on the Threedom, who was still kind of, you know, Io had proven herself. She was the already had a World of Stardom Championship run. Kai had been entrusted with that red belt. And Mai was, at that point, she had sort of won the fans over well and truly, but she was still developing into a main event level talent. Arisa Hashiki would have been right there and would have helped stabilize the company in that reinvigorating period. She might have been there having a match against Miko Satomura for the World of Stardom Championship as well. You know, it's that kind of setup where when they needed people to rise up, she would have had four or five years' experience in the ring and she would have been able to step up and really carry the company, you would presume, because you look at how she came into the company in 2018. She was naturally right there. Yeah, imagine a few years just building the character, building the personality, and she had the personality down. You know, Rossi yeah. talks about in the comments that he's making, like she's just a naturally vibrant personality that wins people over, even before she steps in the ring and starts killing people and kicking their heads off. And I think that's part of the reason her retirement hurts in a lot of ways. Mm. It's because she was such a bright, vibrant, exciting, like. <sighs> She had the type of personality that I think we, a lot of people say, or a lot of people know that like a Hanukkah had in a lot of ways. It's that mm. she just, it was the personality that you want to connect to and it, it's infectious in a lot of ways. Mm. And it, it continuously makes, I don't mean to make this very sad or anything because that is unfortunately the ups and downs of the Arisa Shiki run. Uh, but it, it's one of those reasons that, you know, we sit here and we continuously wish that she's doing all right. Cause of course we don't know, but we know that side of her and we know what she means to us as fans and everyone else. So it, it's tough, but uh, we'll continue now here with the more Ross comments before, be, just oh, yes. before there. Um, I do want to say like the personality that she's showing that wasn't an act. Either no, you know, like she wasn't putting that up for the crowd, and I don't have all the comments here because some of it's just him talking about like the day to day activities, taking her to meetings and uh, talk shows and stuff. Yeah. Like she was a naturally vibrant personality, like outside of the ring. You know, when she he'd run into her kind of on the bike and stuff. It's like she's just that kind of person. It translated so well to her character. Yeah, my best compare, my best ways to like see that outside of the ring is anytime her and Tam hung out mm. like you just saw that 
um, the happiness that those two had together. And there are videos of them hanging out, I believe, on Star World. So it's not yeah. like it's impossible to find. But even when it's just like them taking pictures and them interacting, you just felt that. Um, but uh, we'll, we'll like I said, we'll continue to those comments before her protest. Mm. Um, yeah, so just on the eve of her protest, it's, uh, Rossi goes on to say, Arisa, on the other hand, is an athletic girl whose competitive spirit is amazing. Because she's learning shoot boxing, her stance is that of a martial artist. Because of Arisa's light weight, there's instances where a slightly heavy opponent slows her down. But then she goes on to pass on the first time, and Rossi's comments really begin to paint a picture of where he was envisioning her. Risa was, in a word, sparkling. Everything was filled with self-confidence and her actions were the epitome of exceeding expectations. Her character is that of a natural mold breaker. I think there's definitely stardom's secret weapon in bringing in a lot of fans in the future. And again, she's 15 at this point. 15-year-old, yeah. and he's already saying she's the secret weapon for bringing in fans and sort of growing this very new company. It's for me. It's the epitome of expectation of exceeding expectations. It's like beautiful alliteration there, Rossi. It's like, oh my god! Like just think about that. It's like not only like if you think of exceeding expectations, that's what she was, and mm. and being that secret weapon to bring a lot of fans in the future. That's why I brought up the what if of what if she was there yeah. with Io Shirai, and I think that would have definitely only better stardom in so many ways. Um, who knows where they would have been now, of course. But we'll continue on in her career here. So the Goddesses of Stardom Tag League, the first ever Goddess of Stardom Tag League, she tagged with old friend <laughs> Mayu Iwatani. <laughs> Very fitting. Um, I think that should bring a smile to many people's faces. And they won their very first match. Yeah. Not only did they win their first match, they beat Natsuki Tayo and Yoshiko. <laughs> of all that's people. a hell of a cap yeah yeah they 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 made their debut 15 minutes 46 seconds um i think you know that kind of is just thinking of all the where this all went eventually for all four you know mm. we're talking about reese here we're talking about mayu here um we know what tayu did and, you know outside of the yoshi the incident we know what yoshiko did just as a pro wrestler and how much yeah. she accomplished um so it's just it's just so cool to see that they they got that win. Um, they continue. They lose to Yoko, Bito, and Yuzuki Akawa. Not a big shock there. Um, <laughs> they get a win over Saki Kashima and Tomoka and Nakagawa, um, and then they lose to Io Shirai and Nai Takahashi. Which I mean, what what are we asking for here? Come on, that's a pretty good pairing right there. I don't even say unfair. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But it's, I mean, what I love about this is like you could tell the pairing was a natural case of these two just get along. Um, you know, they, they were friends outside of the ring and they brought that spirit to the ring together as AMA or AMA. And what I, I love about this is I think Arisa really helped to bring the initial awkwardness of Mayu, so bring that away and start to let her be herself and grow into what she would eventually become. Obviously, it was a very long work in progress for Mayu Watani, but you needed that kind of initial push forward and someone like Arisa Hashiki could encourage that and sort of grow it out. And, you know, you just see how Mayu was in those tag matches with Arisa and she seemed happier. She seemed more comfortable in the ring compared to when she was out there on her own. And I think the next step for Mayu was with Io Shirai. 
And you'd see, again, she felt more comfortable, she more uh, excitable when she was tagging with EO versus when she was out on her own. There's a reason people get excited when you get to see, like, Mayu team with younger talent. Cause it's like, mm. okay, well, clearly she has a good knack for uh, being around talented people and helping them ultimately get better um, in their own way. Well, back then improving herself, but now it's, of course, helping the likes of a Starlight Kid, mm. uh, Momokogo recently, and, of course, Hanan, the big one, I think, for many, um, to you know, pave the future. But December 2011, very it was her biggest month of her career before she came back by far. Uh, so she participated in the Rookie of the Year tournament. Um, she actually was just in the semifinal. She didn't have to go through the first round. So first yeah. round, uh, Yoko Bito defended, uh, defeated Saki Kashima. Arisusa and Mayu Itani went to a draw. They went to a tie, uh, a tiebreaker, um, and Mayu Itani won. So in the semifinals, Arisa Shiki actually defeated Yoko Bito, which, again, we – talked about earlier how yoko was more in a higher spot at the time because of her age mm. more than anything um and then yoshiko defeated mayu itani and in the finals yoshiko did defeat arisa shiki but again playing to that she got to the finals everyone you know pretty much in stardom at the time was a rookie um so her getting to that spot and yoshiko was obviously getting ready to be one of the main eventers right off the bat Oh, she, was, course, yeah. she was a lot more advanced than the other rookies. Um, but the fact that she got there and had a competitive match um, after multiple matches on the night, I think that's worth um, celebrating for her because she would only benefit from there. Yeah, it, it, again, it's an example like for her to make the, the finals of the rookie over a Yoko Bito. Obviously, by this point, I think Yoko Bito had already kind of been established as one of the upper echelon wrestlers for this sort of new batch of uh, people so she could afford to take the loss in order to lift the risa up but again she was the one put in that position given that opportunity to shine and it shows the trust it shows the expectation of potential that was there yep and then her next match which i think is the most uh if you want to see early arisa at her very best you know, that first run, it's this one. The Wonder of Stardom Championship match. She challenged Izuki Aikawa for the title mm-hmm. year and stars 2011. It um, is on Stardom World for people who are curious. It's it's slightly cut up because they don't have all the footage, but you get the, the crux of the match. Yeah, I've watched it multiple times. It's actually very good. You get to mm. you get to see what a fiery young Arisa looks like in a big time title match. Um I would say so, she out-wrestled Yuzuki in this match too. Like I when agree. you watch it, it's like, I, I think she looked better than Aikawa at this point. I agree, and I think that's – it's not really a shot at Aikawa, but again, the no. uh, skill that she had after all that time. And with and with that, the fact that her first title match was the Wonder of Stardom Championship, is a, it's a beautiful little fact there, right? Because mm-hmm. it's like, okay, well – she you know she got to get that title because that title was always going to be hers and she got to come back and do that um but that is one of those matches that we will be watching on that uh third episode uh guaranteed because it is a important one for her but is one of her best it is her best from that first run yeah and you know so 
one of the things we want to do is try and point out these matches that we're going to be watching on the third episode in a month's time so that if you are listening, you can go back and watch them as well because we can tell you about them. We can tell you how good a Reeser is. But part of the fun of this is giving you the opening to discover this stuff yourself. You know, don't just take our word for it. Go and watch and see that we're correct. You know, prove our point. <laughs> yes. Um, so going into 2012, uh, she... As as many know, or many don't know, I don't know. Maybe maybe you don't. Maybe that's why you're listening. Uh, she only wrestled five months, of course, into 2012 before mm-hmm. her retirement. I just want to I just want to point this little thing out because I think it's like fun to think about. Um, so there was a match where uh, Arisa Shiki, Io Shirai, and Mayu Yutani teamed up as a trio, and just like that's the ultimate like what if because those yeah. three could have obviously led them for years to come uh who who knows how it would have been uh arisa also defeated kairi hojo later that mm-hmm. year um i don't need to explain how important that is um uh, even though you know kairi is brand new it's still yeah. kairi hojo and still you know at this time rossi didn't know arisa was going to retire and we'll have a comment on that in a few seconds mm. um and her final match would be on uh, May 20th, 2012, where her, her and Yuhi went to a 15-minute time limit draw. Yeah, it is it is a shame that uh, the 2012 period is so short because after the 2011 she had, you would have been expecting a real chance for growth. But it is nice just in these last couple of months, you do get those special moments versus Kari Hojo, teaming with what could have been the real threedom, Io and Mayu, alongside Risa Hashiki, perhaps. And yeah, the fact that she went out on a draw for a final match, it's kind of not that they necessarily were aware it was going to be her final match, but yeah, you know, 15-minute draw, she was getting the chance to do these longer matches and you know, start to grow into not just a striking wrestler who can do some cool stuff in five to ten minutes, but start to piece together what it means to be a pro wrestler, just like what Rossi was looking for back when we were talking about the training section. Now, we go through more of these comments because these are very important, and I think this will give you an idea of how unexpected her retirement was, Mm. not only to stardom but specifically to rossi ogawa yeah which which comment do you want the ama one or just the before the last match um we can do the so we can do the ama one first actually because i think yep. that is important uh well this was back in november 2011 and then we'll get to the one before the last match which is really a heartbreaker in many ways yeah so yeah this one's back in uh november 2011 this is like a fan meeting with ama and rossi's there and this is again him this is from his blog all of these comments are from his blog which is still online if you can hunt it down it's very fascinating to go back and read through all this so this is him recalling what was said arisa said in front of her fans i want to continue wrestling until i'm 30 oh Arisa and Mayu have completely different personalities and upbringings, but I would say they are like the action-orientated younger sister and the hidden older sister. Arisa messes with Mayu quite a bit, but she really likes her, and Mayu doesn't get mad at most things. She's the type to put up with it. That's why she laughs, even if her mischievous younger sister says whatever she wants. It's a good combination. I said to Arisa, don't rush. Slowly build up your body and learn how to receive professional wrestling. I want this AMA, which is their tag team, to carry the future of stardom. When the girl becomes an adult, I think that there will be no problems if both the body and mind are fulfilled. I want to watch over the trusted children of stardom with a long eye. 
There's uh, a lot of, in hindsight, very uh, painful comments there, especially ultimately the I hope both the mind and body hold up, knowing the reasons she gave for retiring in 2020. Uh, it hurts, Trent. <laughs> it all hurts. The idea that, you know, he knew that these two would lead them. You know, Arisa and Mayu would be like the prize pupils and... Uh, sucks <laughs> we, we already knew how much Mayu meant to Rossi like even going back to the reality of the situation Mayu stayed with Rossi when she came to Tokyo you know he basically looked after her up until October 2011 was when she actually moved out of Rossi's house and got her own place so that's like it was about a year I think that she actually stayed with him over a year actually that she stayed with him basically being looked after and turned into the superstar that she became and then there's Arisa, the 16-year-old prodigy who was going to go on to do great things. And they were they were friends. They were best friends, which, uh, again, explains why they instantly reconnected in 2018. All right. Now let's, let's give us the dagger right before that, uh, that, that final match with Yuhi, which tells you, again, how much this was unexpected for Rossi. Yeah. So this, this blog post was posted the day before her final match. Risa Hoshiki is literally a star candidate for stardom. She said she wants to be a stardom star while in high school. She has such a dream. Arisa is a genius who can do anything dexterously. Recently, she joined the Light Music Club in high school and is learning bass. She also loves to sing and has a dream to debut as a singer someday. Well, did he know that or what? Um, Prophetic Rossi here. Do I not know. doubt his ability to foresee the future when it comes to his talent, except maybe that they'll keep wrestling for him. Yeah. Uh, just thinking back to that, and it's he highlights a lot of the reasons she did retire. Mm. Um, you know, there's been things that have rumored as to why she retired that first time. Part of it's because of schooling and focusing on school and focusing on the shoot boxing side of her life mm -hmm. and going on to be a singer in due time and you know the musical side all of those gotta played, do both of those things between her two wrestling yeah. runs all of those played a huge factor into why mm. she would ultimately retire um with i think high school and you know potentially you know what family wanted for her and you know you have to focus on this which as we know she did um mm. and it's why she took so long to come back because you know she did she was doing so many things and it stinks to think about because again you we we will forever play the what if game mm. um and what if she didn't do shoot boxing where would her health have been um, I obviously don't know where that went. I don't. I yeah. don't have the records and stuff of her exact <laughs> shoot boxing, kickboxing, whatever it may be. But the only I, the only records we're able to really find online are two matches in 2014. She wins one by yeah. TKO. She loses another by decision. They were both in the latter half of 2014. Now they're the only shoot boxing matches we had. She had um, during this period. I'm not sure. That's all we can really find. Yeah. Unfortunately, a lot of information does kind of get lost to time, especially when we're talking about niche wrestlers who, you know, were kind of, especially at that time, she'd wrestled for one year and then went on to do a little bit of shoot boxing. You, most people probably weren't cataloging her history, expecting her to come back. And then a couple of guys in 2023 trying to do a three-part retrospective on her. 
Yeah, exactly. But think about that. Just I think that's a good way to paint the picture of what she'd go on to do in 2014. So, mm. you know, two years after she retired from pro wrestling. So clearly we knew where her mind was at during that time, what she was working on. Um, as we know, again, with the singing thing, she'd go on to successfully do that mm. um, with Unlimited Dream Navigator, which I believe started in 2018. Yeah, so like it's not like she immediately jumped into these things. So I think the, the concept of her retiring to focus on school, whether it was her decision or maybe influenced by her parents, like it is pretty believable because she didn't go straight into doing shoot boxing. You know, it looks like it took a couple of years. The singing career didn't really take off until 2018. And ironically, that's when she came back to wrestling as well. Um, so it's, yeah, it's understandable. A kid who's 16, the world is her oyster looking forward. You know, she has things she wants to do. It is understandable that she might leave pro wrestling to focus on her studies and focus on other things like being a teenager. I think a lot of a lot of us now, we are kind of spoilt when it comes to these teenage wrestlers. So many of them are sticking around. You know, yep. the reality is a lot of kids would come and go when it came to Joshi wrestling, like they'd do a couple of years. It would be kind of like a school side hobby. Like they would do uh, pro wrestling just like you or I might go and play basketball uh, yes. after school. This is what it was for a lot of them. And it's really not all of them stuck around. The fact that, you know, Azumi stuck around, so like kids stuck around, Hanan stuck around, and it looks like Hina and Rina are sticking around. That's that's an oddity. That's not the norm for this kind of thing. So Arisa retiring at the age of 16 isn't that unusual. It was just unfortunate because she was such a prodigy. I think, and you'll see this with longtime Joshi fans, is that they almost temper their expectations with young Joshi yeah. talents because they got used to their retirements. It's why I think it's why we appreciate the Azumis and Starlight Kids and Suzu Suzuki's all the more these days because not only have they stuck around, but they've shown what happens when you stick around. You become among the best in the world at a very quick rate. Mm. And you know, for every Mayu Iwatani, there's five Arisa Shikis, unfortunately, yeah. in terms of having talent, but not being able to fulfill it. Now, I'm not saying everyone had the skill of Arisa Shiki, but you get mm -hmm. my point. It's that two two wrestlers that start at the same time and only one keeps going. And that's that is the story of Arisa in a lot of ways. Um, you know, she did come back, she wasn't going to retire until her her injuries and her health unfortunately forced her to the second mm. time around but uh that's that's for episode two of course so we're not gonna, <laughs> gonna come back for that yeah you gotta come back for that in two weeks i know we're, we're hurting you for two weeks but uh you can use that time to watch a bunch of Arisa Hoshiki matches. As you should, which we'll yes. be also pointing out next time, which ones we will be watching for episode mm -hmm. three. But to the kind people at home, uh, thank you for listening to this one. Trent, uh, let's let's hit us with some plugs. Of course, we're coming off a great start in pay-per-view this past Saturday. Not we're totally not recording this beforehand. <laughs> um, so if anything happens, but there was cheering back. So exciting times, of course, for starting. But what what should people keep an eye out for uh from you? 
Yeah, so I think last time we did this, I, I gave like plugs of what to expect, but I forgot to actually give my Twitter handle. So you first <laughs> of all, you can follow me at One Up Culture. Uh, I will have a piece coming out this Friday um, because it is Valentine's Day coming up. Last year I did a piece, uh, Stardom Valentine's Cards. I'm doing a sequel. It's not Stardom. I know it's awkward. It's New Japan Pro Wrestling, but look, that's this is my one chance a year to be an absolute idiot when it comes to these kind of articles. So feel free to check that one out. I've got an Atsapoy piece coming out at some point. We've had a lot of time-sensitive pieces at Wrestling, so that's kind of been pushed back. Um, you and I, I believe, will be doing a podcast soon. Or yes. already, yeah, coming out with kind of giving you a guide uh, as what to understand with Joshi Wrestling, uh, Stardom Wrestling in 2023. And, of course, always keep an eye out for the Ocean Cyclone Show, Scott, myself, and, of course, the better part of the uh, trio, Ryan. Yeah, except when it comes to chocolate. Um, <laughs> for, for me, you know, you can always follow me at Scotty Wrestling. If you're not already, I, again... Thanks for listening. One mm-hmm. that you found this and you don't know who I am. That's always appreciated because hopefully people are just finding this when they're looking for startup podcasts and want the history side of things, which is a lot of the people in 2026 listening to this. Yes. When we go down the stardom road here, of course. Um, but what I did have recently was an interview go on Fightful's YouTube. I'm sure it's on their podcast. I don't know by this recording if it was or not. Um, <laughs> But I had a sit-down interview with none other than Mariah May of Ooh. Club Venus Stardom. Very exciting. Uh, let, let me just tell everyone, if you are listening to this now she and you haven't listened to that, she is an absolute ray of excitement. I think her, you want to talk about infectious attitudes when it comes to pro wrestling and being in stardom and being in Japan. She has one of them, and I, I am mm. sure you'll all... If you listen to that interview and don't walk out of it becoming a fan of hers, I'll be shocked because, <laughs> you know, she was someone that was, you know, growing on me with how much she was showing in the ring already. After talking to her, I was like, well, she's one of my favorites now because just, you know, when you feel someone's willing to put in the work and prove people wrong, you know, because people have assumptions about, and she talks about this, how people assume things about her and, mm. you know, she's doing her best to show that it's, not just all that, but she likes to play into it too. She said, um, it's so, a gimmick. yeah, of course she loves to play into it a little bit. Um, so make sure to check that out. Otherwise I'm sure I did other stuff. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I me check out that guide that me and Trent have put together. If it has come out already, it probably hasn't yet. Um, but it will be coming out in the next week or so, uh, kind of highlighting the rest of 2023, what to look out for, what 2022 was, which was a very busy year. So pretty much just a lot of Julia folks. Uh, <laughs> but overall, <laughs> make sure to check all of that out. And we'll see you next time as we break down Arisa Ushiki's second part of her very, very, very special 151 match career. So, Curtis. Yeah, man. Can I said we've got to do an ad. I've never done one before. Uh-oh. What should we do? I have no idea, bro. I, I like I ever made an ad before. What 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 are we doing an ad for? I don't know. We just say we're like a New Japan Pro Wrestling podcast, and we just put a bunch of clips like here. Arguably the most shredded guy. So yeah. if you really want to get there too. <laughs> uh, maybe a little bit bigger. Yeah. We'll see. Heard that here, Michael Richards <laughs> calling Jay White small compared to him. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I love it. This picture you've painted for me 
I, I want to hang it up. I want to frame it and hang it up in my in my bedroom. Yeah. We don't have a WWE tryout or a New Japan tryout every second week. And now I'm in Bullet Club. And here? Will Ospreay versus Kenny Omega. Do you want to just go off about this match? How do you take or talk about one of, I think, probably the best matches you've ever seen? That's an ad, right? Yeah, yeah, that works. That that that's That's brilliant because... Then all our work's already been done for us, and we don't have to do anything. Aha, past us did it, present us living in the now. Look at us. Look, Look at, at that. us being friggin' brilliant. Mate, minimum effort, maximum output. Okada Shorts podcast. Check it out on the Countout Network at Okada Shorts. Rate and subscribe, listen or die. This has been a Countout Podcast. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.